0: Well, good morning to you all. It's uh, great to um, have you all here. And we're continuing on in our um, series through looking at 1 Peter. Um, The letter of Peter, which he wrote here, was a softer version of what he follows up with in, in 2 Peter. Um, First Peter, he's dealing with um, just making sure that we understand what the true grace of God is, and so he's outlining the basic message of the gospel and what it means in our lives. In Second Peter, he has to come down heavy um, on the same topics and a lot more um, um, confrontational. And so, we want to have a look at um, today um, four. Key principles of living in a society as a Christian. Um, As we sang that song, I'm Laying Down All My Religion, I'm sort of wondering, I'm not sure whether I like that song, because in some sense it's very, very true, that as we come to Christ, we come as we are. There's nothing we can do, nothing we can... um, can, engage in no religious activities which can make us acceptable to God. We come as we are, as a sinner, in the dust, and come and receive his grace. And if we think we can um, pretty ourselves up and, and get to God by our own works, our own religious deeds, then we will fail. But at the same time, when we come to Christ... He expects a change. He expects us to to live in holiness and goodness. And the um, we, things we're looking at today are um, just key principles of living for Christ. And they're addressed to people who have come to know His grace. They've come, and Christ has come into their life as their Lord. And He and they are then called to live in a certain way and they're not called to um, live a life of continued sin but a, but a life of holiness and change life and so we want to have a look at these um, principles and um, I, I must confess I was actually due to do a message on wives be submissive to your husbands today but I thought, well, i better touch this. I sort of feel like in some ways that maybe I'll chicken out a bit, but we'll, we're looking at it in a couple of weeks. So I'm, I've got to touch that one. But we're looking in this whole concept, um, this whole section on submission, on Christian response, how we are to live. And in this it's got these key two verses which I wanted to look at and because they lay down some, some very key ideas as to the way a Christian is to live in society. So the two verses of this, live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honour the king. Father, we pray that as we look at these Four simple explanations and commands to Christians and how we are to live in this world. We pray, Lord, that you would speak to us, that you would give us clarity. Lord, that we would know what it means to live for Jesus. Amen. Sometimes I overhear people speaking about me. In fact, I hear a lot of things about me. A lot of, a lot complimentary, but a lot none. Not um, One of the very strange things I sometimes hear is to see that, that people would say that Russ is a very religious person. And with that, there's always the idea that um, religion is somehow oppressive and, and controlling and I'm controlled by a whole lot of do's and don'ts and so on and I'm always struck by it. it's like when people call me old I still feel like a 20 year old I think I can't be that until I look in the mirror I realize oh no but people call me yeah say well he's he's a religious person I think no I'm not I am wonderfully free in other words, people would look and think, this guy must be bound by all of these rules and regulations. Whereas I say, no, I'm wonderfully set free to be whom God wants me to be. And that's, that's this, what is a paradox of Christian living. Is we are not slaves to all these rules, but we are slaves to God. <laughs> And being enslaved to God is true freedom. Now, you see this in this passage. Peter says, live as free men. You see, hallelujah, I can do anything I want. And then he goes, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. In other words, you don't live free to be able to go and do, and, and do sin. Instead, he then comes and says, live as servants or or slaves of God. And that is the paradox of life, is every person ultimately has to serve something or someone. And there is only true freedom when we become slaves of God. When we surrender our life, our will to his and become what he has designed us and planned us to be. And that is the Christian life. And so Peter gives this passage and he, he gives us and says this Um, As he says, this is the true grace of God, is that God takes us as he finds us, but then he transforms us and he comes as king of kings and lord of lords and he rules his life through us so it is transformed And we become slaves of righteousness. We become good people. We cannot do that by ourselves. We don't have to pretty ourselves up to come to him. We come by grace through faith. But then he comes and our life becomes his life and we live um, a life of freedom as slaves of God. Now, Paul applies this to four areas. And we just want to have a look at them. We can't. Go into it because it's our job to apply these in our life, to work out how do we obey Jesus as um, his servants in these four key areas of life. And we, our job is as free people to choose to honour God in these four ways. The first one, which he says is, that we are to show proper respect or honour to everyone. Now, um, it is just amazing how much Peter can put in just a few words. Um, a great commentator by the name of Alford said that um, what Peter is saying here is is that in but he's commanding us that in every case we are to render promptly every man's due. Now, the idea here is not that we are to be prisoners or slaves to all other people. That would be absolutely impossible. But what he's saying is, is that in our contacts with people, in every contact we have, we are to try and give due honour to the people we meet. Um, in the Old Testament, it was summed up by this law: love your neighbour as yourself. In other words, we are to treat people as we find them, um, in an appropriate manner but the idea is is we're not bound by them and so any any one person or any group of people or every single one controls our every movement because where well, that would be an impossible slavery We are living as free people but as we meet each person our responsibility is to deal and to treat that person as someone um, who deserves our respect and honour. And not only that, um, what it includes is that we are to honour them in an appropriate way. We are to honour that which is good. Now there's a couple of things here which is which are really important, and that is is that the this Christian response to other people is based in the gospel on the, on what we celebrate at Christmas, and that is is that um, in in the gospel Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, became a human being, and. Humans who were created to reflect and manifest God's character. In Jesus, God became one of us and he lived as a human. And in so doing, um, he, does, he, he doubly honours human life. We aren't to honour humans as rocks or animals. Humans have this special... Um, a, calling and purpose to reflect God's nature. And every human, no matter how sinful and, and perverted, has something of the image of God and acts in certain ways in the image of God. And we are to affirm and encourage and honour that. And we are to do it as we come day by day, moment by moment, in our interactions. Now, if, we, if the thing says we are to honour them in all the time, what happens is we can be, become a prisoner of other people and our life, we're no longer free. But what we do is as we go through, we, we show them honour. Now, um, that just simply means giving thanks when people do good things. It means praising them for the good, where they reflect God's goodness in some ways. It means um, taking the time and recognition to to give them due recognition as we meet them. Now, last night the ladies had a wonderful meeting here and as a result I was left to my own devices for cooking food and I did the only decent and good thing and rang Dominoes. And... Um, I thought, that they make very good pizzas there. And I went in to pick it up. Eight bucks for a pizza is very, very good value. And I'm thinking, this is fantastic. And I went in there and there's all these people. They're just cranking out these pizza, pizzas. And the, the guy who served me um, did that. I paid his money. And I said to him, you guys do a fantastic job here. Thank you very much. And he just be i think he was so happy, I think I was possibly the first person that day who had honored him for what he was doing now, the amazing thing is is, I felt a tremendous freedom at that point i wasn 't under bondage, but I was freely giving honour to a person and honouring that which was good and he was made happy and thrilled and so was I. And that's what Peter means here, is as we go through our day, the calling of a Christian is to honour people. Now, um, one of the strange things about that. Is is it does leave us into difficulties, and our society is in that difficult. I just want to mention that um, it's part of the symbol of the rainbow, where with the push for the LG, for LGBTIQ stuff and a whole lot of other things as well, where people feel so wanting to honour humanity, they want to honour humanity in its perversions. And if we, um, the call here is to in, to give due honor, to give proper recognition, to thank and honor people for their goodness. But that does not mean that we honor and praise that which is evil. Our calling, and it's the true Christian, is to honour that which is pure and good and that which is lovely and to um, a a healthy society condemns and pushes and, and calls out sin. But that's not our job all the time in our interactions, to go and look for all of the sin. Our job as Christians in dealing with individuals is to praise the good. And most of the time that means we leave um, the spirit of God to condemn. But on a society level, we need to stand against evil because all evil is, is a perversion and a distortion of that which is good. And we don't praise that, we don't encourage it. Now, I just wanted to give a, a little example of that. We, had, um, we did... Um, a program called Blokes at, um, at Cavisham School. And um, we, we did it as a part of just helping the guys to trans, transition into adolescence, dealing with their um, newly awakened sexual desires and guy, you know, as the guys are trying to um, develop into manhood, help them to start that transition. And um, in a group I got one year, uh, we got one kid who was well-known as the worst-behaved kid in the school. He had lots of psychologically diagnosed three-letter acronyms because his behaviour was so so bad. Basically, um, if he didn't get his own way, um, he did a tantrum, screamed, yelled, etc., etc. And um, he was put in my little group and I was trying to... Do with it. So I did something which was very radical. I refused to honour and praise the bad. And so we did. We, in our group, we said, "Okay, if we do this, 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 these are good behaviours, you'll get a reward. If you don't do them, you won't." At the end of the session, he had been his normal self, and say, so "All my other groups got a reward. He got nothing." What did he do? He shouted, screamed. Um, You would not believe the things he said to me. Well, you probably would. Um, Next week, same thing. Afterwards, as he was screaming at me, I sat him down and I said, Look, in this group, we get praised for the good. I tell you what if you behave in the proper way like all these other kids are doing, you'll get the praise you deserve. In fact, I'll give you a double reward. And so next week, he went along and perfect for, for nine-tenths of the time, he treated me and the others with respect and dignity. Last minute, Absolutely blew his stack again. So guess what I did? I refused to give him the reward. Um, Next week, he suddenly became a model student. And that's the idea here is that what our calling of Christians to do is to honour and praise the good, to see the good we can encourage and to lift the dignity and value of the people. But that does not mean that we give it out freely, willingly and cheap. We honour the good and ignore or condemn the evil. Now, the second point that Peter gives here is that we are to love the family of believers. Um, Just very simple words, love the brotherhood of believers. or love the family of God. Now, whereas the first one, which was to honour all people, was, um, was not continuous. It means each time when you do it, when the occasion comes, you do it. But it's not something that we're totally controlled by the, by the person. In this one, it's something which Peter sees as something which needs to be a continuous action that we are always engaged in loving our Christian family. In other words, Christian family is not something like an acquaintance where we just come and every now and again we go, oh, right, we just tip our hat to the church and we meet, a, we meet our Christian family and say, oh, nice to see you. But then, that's, then, then they're not involved in our life. They're, they don't call us to any um, ongoing relationship and commitment. No. in When it comes to the church family, this is a continual spiritual action and so when we become a christian we become a part of the church we don't start attending church we become a part of the church and that church becomes our eternal spiritual family be not just a passing acquaintance like the guy at domino's i don't know whether i'll ever see him again i don't know whether i'll ever recognize him again and i treated him with dignity and he was pleased but when it comes to our Christian family, God expects that we would be a part of a Christian church, and we—and we, what that means is—is is that our church family in has a special place, and that is a special place often above our relatives. I've got lots of cousins and uncles and aunties and so on, and if I see them, I'll—I'll I'll be nice to them and. So good to have but they 're not a part of my life, although they're physically there's this blood relation. but God has given me eternal family, this church to which I belong, and he 's given the same for you, and, and so being a Christian means that we suddenly have this deep, ongoing responsibility. To our Christian family. So in, in Romans twelve ten it says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honour one another above yourselves. So um, our second major responsibility means accepting, valuing, um, building into the lives of our Christian family. That is essential Christian behaviour. Now, if I can just say just um, one thing on this: what it means is that becoming a Christian means we become a part of a church, and being a being a Christian is not a spectator sport. We don't spectate; we participate. Now, could you imagine? If I, and I think I've seen this happen with some teenage children. They're going through a phase where suddenly their family's not cool. And when they come to the, the family table, what they do is they sit there and they sort of stand aloof and to the side, and they think their job is to criticise everything that's going on. Okay, they look at the meal and they think, well, well, mum's not really cooking a very good meal here. And, and they, they would want something else. They would look at the behaviour of the more immature and stand aloof and, and separate as if they're not a part of it. Now, many people, and I think it's, a, it's become a part of our spirit of the age, is many Christians have, start, have become like that. They think that church is a matter of coming, watching, spectating. When church is a family meal, what we are doing here is a family meal. We're not trying to do a a performance, but we're trying to feed, encourage and build one another up. And so loving the family of believers is about coming, being a part, being a part of this and helping to build strength and encourage one another. And that's what we're about. Now, the third area and... um, It's a surprising one. He says, fear God. Fear God. Now, what Peter is meaning here is when it comes to other people, we can choose whether we will act in a certain way or not. Even when it comes to church, we go, oh, right, what part do you want to play in this body? But when it comes to God, we don't have a choice. We are expected to be um, his servants and to respond to his voice and obey him. So the, so the, the idea of fear of God is we live as free. We're free to choose and to respond in the way in how we deal with other people. Under God, we say, God, how do you want me to respond in this circumstance? I'm limited time, limited energy, limited resources, limited ability. How can you want me to use those? But when it comes to God, is we d- obey him. We're his slaves. And it's very, like well, one would expect Peter maybe to have re- have said, um, love God. But instead he uses the word Fear of God. Now, it's uh, amazing that we see, in, for instance, in Proverbs, that fear of God is is an essential part of wisdom and truth. So, for instance, in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, it says, "The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, "'but fools despise wisdom and discipline.'" Verse 3, 3 7, says, "'Do not be wise in your own eyes.'" Fear the Lord and shun evil, Proverbs 8:13. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech, um, Proverbs 9:10. For fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And we see lots of them, and say, so, well, what is the fear of God? This this idea which is emphasised it sounds negative. Um, I think this passage here in Proverbs helps. To define what it means it says since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord since now it's a how did we know they didn't fear the Lord since they would not accept my advice it's wisdom's advice spurned my rebuke they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes so this passage here I think is defining fear of God. And what it's saying is this, is that the fear of the God is to take into your mind and listen to God's advice, his warnings, his truth, and to know that if you don't listen and obey him, you shall reap the consequences. And so it's, it's negative in that sense. It's to say, I am going to fear getting disobeying God because I know if I disobey him and spurn his wisdom, spurn his advice, don't take to heart his rebuke, then he shall deal with me. Now we'll have a look later in Peter. Peter actually talks about do not disregard the discipline of the Lord because judgment begins in the household of God. So God deals with and disciplines especially and firstly us in this age. And so one of the the key parts of being a Christian is is we fear God and fear of God is in a sense the other side of the coin of the love of God. I've just got um, just an explanation here the love of god means that we value god enough and trust his goodness so much that we live to please him that's what loving god means we love we god is god means the word god means the good one or the ultimate good we value god enough that we trust his goodness and we live to please him that's what loving god means well the fear of god means this means we know his power his holiness, his justice so well that we fear the consequences of not following his advice, obeying his commands or listening to his rebuke. And so that's the third key aspect of um, being a Christian in this society. The final one, and we covered this, I just want to just repeat it briefly, and that is that we are called to... Honor the king. Um, the king here means anybody who has authority over us, and a continuing, ongoing authority. But not just people who we meet in the dark, but um, people who are making laws which we are expected to obey. And the simple advice of the God, of, of Paul of Peter is this: be a law-abiding citizen. This one here is again continuous. We have this continuous obligation to those who are in authority over us to honour them, to respect them, to obey them, except when their command to us is to disobey God. And we do it happily, joyfully, and as a part of our um, submission to Christ. And so that's the final one, four key Principles. Respect all people, honour all people. Uh, be devoted to your church, love your brother, your Christian family. Fear God and honour the King. Do um, you need to uh, revisit? That obligation, have you become a critic of everybody instead of someone who sees that your responsibility is to give honour to the people? It's amazing. When you praise people, they suddenly become humble. When you criticise people, they become proud. Often as Christians, we think our job is to just point out the sin in everyone else. No. Let's point out the humanity and encourage the good in others as, as our daily habit Uh, Let's love our church family. Let's not spectate. Let's participate. Let's uh, understand that God is a consuming fire. He who sows to the sinful nature will reap destruction from the Lord. And let's show proper respect and honour to those who govern us. Let's pray. Father... We, your people, have been redeemed by you. You've loved us with an everlasting love. You've forgiven us. You've washed our sins away. What a happy day. Lord, you've called us into your family. Lord, help us in the freedom we have to choose to do good and not evil. That we can uh, honour and build up people as much as possible that we would be breaths of fresh air and freedom and goodness wherever we go. Lord help us to love our fellow beloved our fellow believers not be critics or spectators. Lord help us to fear you and help us to honor the often ungodly and crazy rulers which you've put in place over us. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you all. May you go in peace.